1: Hello and welcome to Pediapod for October 2022. This month, the social epidemiology of early adolescent problematic screen use. 95% of adolescents in the USA have access to a smartphone, and 45% report being online almost constantly. Beyond the general time spent on screens, the control over usage and the interference into other activities are also important considerations and could reflect problematic screen use, which can lead to negative psychological effects and functioning. While prior literature has also demonstrated socio-demographic disparities in general screen time, it's less clear how problematic screen use is associated with socio-demographic factors. This week on PediaPod, we meet early career investigator Professor Jason Nagatar from the University of California, San Francisco. His research focuses on screen use and eating disorders, and in this episode, we discuss his recent study of the sociodemographic correlates of problematic screen use.
2: Actually, my interest in the field of adolescent medicine first started because I was very inspired by global health. And so when I was an undergraduate, I took some global health coursework um, at the University of Pennsylvania, was very inspired by work on ending global malnutrition. And so my early research was actually dealing with child nutrition in Kenya and Guatemala. And then when I started my medical training in San Francisco, it turned out that the local flavor of severe malnutrition was actually in the form of teenagers with eating disorders. And even though the social and psychological context of the reason for malnutrition was quite different in the setting of eating disorders, it was very fascinating to me that the physiology of starvation was actually very similar. And that is how I sort of decided to pursue pediatrics and focus on adolescence. During the pandemic, unfortunately, you know there has been a real explosion of mental health issues among teens, including eating disorders. And so at our hospital, We've experienced more than a doubling of teenagers who've needed to be hospitalized for eating disorders during the pandemic. And we concurrently found that screen use more than doubled among teens during this time. And a lot of our patients shared with me that they really felt like social media and this rise in screens really made their eating disorder symptoms worse
1: yeah it's interesting because we've covered screen time on the podcast several times but it's usually been with a younger demographic and it's usually been looking at impacts on cognition but it's interesting that you've actually come at this via an interest in malnutrition which just goes to show that the effects of screen use are quite wide-ranging i wonder if you could just give us a little summary
2: of what we know about current adolescent screen use in the usa Prior to the pandemic, the average teenage screen use for recreational purposes was about four hours per day, and during the pandemic, that doubled to about eight hours per day. Some of the preliminary studies have looked at potential mental health impacts of screen use, you know, anything from depression to anxiety, and my main interest has really been the impact on screen use and body image or eating disorders. And studies that have primarily focused on female samples have shown that The greater time teens spend on social media, the more they're likely to engage in disordered eating behaviours like skipping meals, vomiting, using laxatives or diuretics. They're also more likely to put their own bodies on display uh, and then also compare themselves to other people's bodies and therefore have greater body dissatisfaction and lower self-esteem.
1: And a lot of these factors presumably are interlinked because those effects on a bad diet are also compounded by just the time not spent doing exercise and then all of the knock-on effects on psychological health.
2: Yeah exactly. Screen use isn't in itself inherently good or bad but when you are spending eight hours in front of a screen that's eight hours that you're not spending doing other things like you mentioned like exercise or socializing in person. Yeah I think part of the mechanism of the effects of screen use are just the amount of time people spend on it and what they could be doing with that time, you know, alternatively.
1: I mean, we should say that you're specifically in this paper looking at problematic screen use. I wonder how you define that as opposed to, quote unquote, normal screen use.
2: Yeah, basically, these problematic screen use measures were developed to measure actually like social media addiction or video game addiction. And so it's not just the time spent on screen use. Actually, these questions are more about how the screen use could potentially impact your daily functioning in a detrimental way or really detract from one's quality of life. So for instance, some of the questions that we found that make up these um, problem screen use questionnaires include like about half of Teenagers reported that they lost track of how much time that they are using their phone. About a third said that they would interrupt whatever activity they were doing when they're contacted on their phone. And over a tenth said that the thought of being without their phone makes them feel distressed.
1: And of course, the digital landscape itself is not only nebulous, but it's constantly shifting, isn't it? So to be specific, you were interested in three different modalities of screen use, video games, social media and mobile phones right I guess some of those
2: interact with each other yes I think another important thing about the screen time research field as you mentioned is that traditionally most of the research has been on traditional television viewing but now as you mentioned there's just all these new modalities and so these even are you could argue are somewhat outdated I mean social media is a catch-all category so it could include any of the new social media modalities but there's always a new app there's always a new program so The field is constantly changing.
1: Okay, and this paper then was also interested in looking at differences between different socio-demographic factors. What were they? What were you kind of comparing against this problematic screen use?
2: Yeah, so I think the first goal of the paper was really just to understand how common problematic screen use is. And as I mentioned, like what are some symptoms that teenagers are reporting related to their screen use above just like how much time they're spending on it. The second goal was to understand within the US if there were different demographic factors that could be associated with screen use, and then also how those different factors interact with one another.
1: Okay, and you used this cross-sectional data from this longitudinal ABCD study, which I hadn't heard of, the Adolescent Brain
2: Cognitive Development Study. Tell us a little bit about that. It started in 2016 with 9 to 10-year-olds. Um, And it is actually collecting data on these teenagers every year for the next decade. And in addition to having some of these screen use measures, it actually is very novel in that all of these kids actually get brain MRIs every two years. So you can actually see like structural brain changes. They also have some laboratory tests. And they actually will have an app on their phone that um, objectively monitors how much time they're spending on various apps. Um, And they also wear a Fitbit so you can um, track their step count and their sleep objectively. And there
1: were several interesting sociodemographic factors associated with this problematic screen use, weren't there? I wonder if you could run through them for us.
2: Um, So I think, first of all, we found some really important sex differences. Um, Boys were more likely to have problematic video game use, whereas girls were more likely to have problematic social media or mobile phone use. In terms of racial and ethnic findings, we did find that Black, Native American, and Latino adolescents reported higher scores actually across all the problematic screen measures compared to white adolescents. Also, having parents who were single or unmarried was associated with more problematic media use as well
1: obviously, your study wasn't designed to explain the causality behind some of these correlations. But I did, I was intrigued by your suggestion in the paper that perhaps some of these correlations were down to this idea of escapism from unpleasant realities that maybe males or females or or different ethnicities or people from different economic backgrounds find themselves in.
2: Yeah, Uh, I mean, I think that, as we mentioned, part of What goes into screen use is like what options you have as alternatives. And I will note that the study, part of it, of the data collection period for this particular study, you know, is 2018 to 2020. So actually, the tail end of this study did overlap with the start of the pandemic. And as we know, when lots of things are canceled, there weren't really a lot of other options. But I think particularly for people who lived in low-income neighborhoods in the U.S. that don't have great access to outdoor space or recreational facilities, parks, then there aren't a lot of alternatives for safe activities to do. And so they're kind of stuck at home in front of their screens. And that's sort of a easy thing to deal with. But, you know, potentially for children who were in more affluent areas that had greater amounts of green space, those kids might have had more opportunities or alternatives to be able to do other activities outside of the screen at home.
1: And did any of those particular demographic, socio demographic factors uh, kind of have more weight when it came to explaining the data? For example, you know, uh, you mentioned black adolescents were worse than their white peers when it came to all, all three of those uh, screen use modalities. But did then the economic situation of that demographic, did that sort of reverse the trend, if you like?
2: Interestingly enough, the demographic that had the, I guess, Biggest difference in terms of problem screen use was actually Native American adolescents had the highest problematic video game use of uh, of any of the different racial or ethnic categories. Yeah, we also looked at how income and race sort of interacted in high income households. There were actually greater disparities in the problematic video game use for black compared to white adolescents relative to low income households, which is kind of counterintuitive. But I guess there's a theory called um, marginalization diminished returns. It's actually a phenomenon that's been seen across a number of different health domains. But I guess another way to summarize it is that among like white adolescents, higher income is generally protective of health. But we don't see that same protection by class for for black adolescents. I mean, are you optimistic about how changeable these associations are? Well, I think one of the things about screen use is that it is a behavior, it's a lifestyle behavior, and it can be changed. So I do think that part of the reason for doing this research is that, um, you know, there are implications, there are interventions and, um, you know, educational tools um, that can be developed to actually affect change in certain groups. And I think that it's also just, I think, a good lesson for pediatricians that, you know, not all teens are the same and to understand how different contexts or backgrounds can affect someone's screen environment. And so I think that actually in America, our sort of largest professional organization for pediatricians is the American Academy of Pediatrics. They had a recommendation that recreational screen use was supposed to be limited to less than two hours a day for children and adolescents, but they actually got rid of that recommendation in 2016, um, recognizing that it's not really a one-size-fits-all environment and that actually most kids don't get less than two hours of screen time per day. And it really has to be a more individualized or personalized household decision. And so now they recommend actually that families make a family media use plan, which involves having a discussion with your household about potential rules that everyone in the household follows And so it's meant to be a little bit more personalized to each household's situation. And I think that this sort of reflects that, which is that people have lots of different backgrounds and contexts. And so it's not really a one size fits all. And I think that screen use is definitely malleable. But I think we also have to recognize that context matters. Do you see some of these associations, some of these results,
1: allowing for some sort of targeted guidance among pediatricians?
2: yeah I think absolutely. I think just some of these um, high- level associations are good for pediatricians to know that you know maybe they target more video game counseling, for instance, to their boys and social media counseling to girls, or if the area that a pediatrician practices is sort of a desert in terms of recreational spaces or physical activity, then that could be a clue in that you know your patient population may have higher rates of problematic screen use
1: and so what's your next project are you following up this study
2: yeah i think my overall goal is really to provide more personalized guidance regarding screens trying to really understand more about like the quality of screen use which i think is really great that these problem screen measures can get a little bit more at quality of screen use and potential effects But yeah, my overall goal is to really understand the wide range of potential risks and even benefits of screen use um, as this teenage population grows during this really important period of development when kids are really starting to use social media more or get mobile phones. And so I do think it's like an important and interesting time period when I do expect that naturally as the teenage years progress, these kids will actually have more and more exposure even regardless of the pandemic
1: that was jason Nagatar from the university of california san francisco and that's it for this episode please join us again in a month's time for your next edition of pediapod i'm jeff marsh thanks for listening